This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Interest rates are higher. I know people don't like that, but you should be welcoming a stronger economy. Fabian, you had a point about the machinery of capitalism being oiled with the blood of the workers. The United States is a country that has always paid all of its bills. Lannister always pays his debts. Don't let the bastards get you. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, g'day, Adam. How are you going? Doing very well, thank you. Hey, uh, put it in your diaries. CVE will be on a short hiatus for July and August, but I promise we will return. Uh... Look, it's going to be tough. You won't know what to do and people will probably criticise your decisions. But just remember, that's not your fault, Phil. You just do your best. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, we've got a few reasons that we need to take a a short break. Uh, As much as we do love bringing you the show each and every week, uh, we'll be away for July and August uh, but returning bigger and better after that. But uh, massive show today coming up as always. Greece is flying and Germany is struggling. Are we witnessing the economic version of UEFA Euro 2004? The Centre for AI Safety has released a statement warning of the dangers of AI, much of the statement apparently not written by ChatGPT, such is their commitment to action. And Woolworths plan to deliver using 100% electric vehicles by 2030. Have they overestimated how much they can carry on the e-bikes they bought from Milk Run? We'll see. (laughs) But first, Thomas, airfares are set to be renamed Air Not Fares as more and more flights are cancelled. Thomas, are airlines really going to be fined for flight cancellations? Is that what's going to happen here? Yeah, well, this is this is the push from uh, Gina Cascot-Lieb, who's the mm-hmm. new chair of the ACCC, replaced Rod Sims last year. Um, yeah, she reckons that they, they should be fined for cancelling flights and made to compensate passengers so that's that's what they do in Europe, right? Um, and we should we should be following Europe's lead on that one. Hard to find a passenger who's going to f- push back against that suggestion. Yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. They should be fined. Yeah, like anyone else who doesn't deliver on a, a service, you know, has to be held yeah. accountable. I feel like flights just go. Hey, well, sorry. I know you yeah. got here to the airport and you were ready and you packed the bags and you got the kids up at three in the morning and mm. they're screaming. Um, mm. But we're just going to pop you on the next flight if that's okay. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that was the, the, the airline's counter argument saying that, well, most of the, the cancelled flights, they just bump passengers mm. onto, onto other things. Yeah, but that's a problem still. <laughs> well, yeah, but like most of the same, like most of these within half an hour to an hour. 
Like oh, you, it's, right. not a, it's not a massive, in, not, you're not bumping them a day or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it all comes out, it's an interesting kind of story because it all comes out of Sydney Airport is sort of mm. like the, the key uh, hinge in this story. Um, and Sydney Airport has this restriction where it can only launch 80 flights an hour. Right. Um, which seems like a lot, but it's apparently that's, that's quite restrictive for how many flights they'd like to launch. Mm. Uh, and it's got a curfew. So they can't, they can't push back late into the night. So that's, they're the only airport in the country that has that, that restriction. We've got a curfew in Adelaide too. Oh, do you? Mm. Yeah, right. But you don't yep. have 80 flights an hour cap. <laughs> You're lucky to get two out of Adelaide Airport. 80 a day, I think, we're, we're running at. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's just because it, it's, it's an old policy. Um, I think the original language was no flying after bedtime. Was it's <laughs> written written into our constitution in South Australia. Yeah, so so Sydney's got this restriction, and then what happens is you book the airlines book slots, uh, book gate slots, and so they're like, we're going to have like the three o'clock slot from Sydney to Melbourne. Mm. Qantas is going to book that, and then once once they've booked it, it's theirs. But there's a tight competition for slots, mm. and so you can't send like. Rex is trying to launch in Sydney and go to do the Sydney Melbourne legs. They can't get in at prime time because all the prime time slots are booked up by Qantas and Virgin. Right. And Qantas and Virgin control ninety four percent of domestic traffic at the moment. So it's, they've got a quite a it's quite a duopoly kind of yeah, vibe right. going on. What like Rex are accusing these guys of is like hoarding slots and then not using them. Mm. And then cancelling flights regularly to not give up their slot because there's a rule that if they give if they cancel more than twenty percent of flights on mm. a slot they have to give it up. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, so if they can if they cancel twenty percent, then they have to give the slot up. It, it mm. goes back to the market, and Rex might be able to pick it up and then end, enter the market. Yeah. So what they're saying, what Rex is saying, and, and others are saying as well, Sydney airports are saying this as well, is that Qantas and Virgin are like grabbing the slots, booking it in. It's theirs for in perpetuity once they own it, unless mm. they give it up or they get gets taken from them. Um, but they hang on to it even though they don't need it, and if they don't have demand for it, then they just cancel the flight and bump passengers around. Ah. That's interesting. Yeah, that's why they yeah they've got well they've got quite high cancellation rates. So saying in in April, ten percent of all Melbourne to Sydney flights were cancelled. Right, it's like one in ten. So that's quite high. So they have the slot, they sell mm. the the plane, mm. and but if they don't get enough tickets, then they go we haven't got enough. We'll cancel mm. the flight and bump people later yeah. on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right. that's what that's what they're saying. And they're, Can't and they're saying the airport just not give them the slot in perpetuity. Like, isn't that a fairly simple oh, kind of no, answer? It's, just- it's out of their hands. It's it's sort of set at a federal level. That's why the government. So this this uh, Gina Cascott Lee, this was her submission to the the government review of this that's happening at the moment hmm. because it's and that that twenty percent rule and the eighty flights per hour that's all set at I think it's the, the old eighty twenty rule. Even. The eighty, 80 flights rule. an hour and twenty percent <laughs> cancellation. <laughs> that is what that refers to. So, um, yeah, but that's that. So that's said at the government level, and it's mm. out of Sydney Airport's hand. And Sydney Airport would like to like to open it up, and mm. and the ACCC, being the competition watchdog, they'd like to open it up because they recognise that a duopoly is not good for competition and is not mm. good for prices. Rex is eager to get into the market. So is Bonza and a bunch of others, but they mm. can't because there aren't the aren't, aren't the available slots. Right. Yeah, and there's a really, super interesting stat that uh, Cascot Lieb said that 
that in when Rex enters a market on a certain intercity route, and when you have three airlines as opposed to two, you reduce the price around twenty percent. Right. So that's a, that's a, that's a substantial savings. Yeah. By having more competition in the market. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's so that's the proposal to, to sort of open that market up and to and to get them to give up the slots they're not actually using. They want them to pay for cancelled flights because at the moment there's no consequence. Yeah. They just bump right. Passengers around and passengers are a bit miffed by it but they still get where they're going mm. if we just wanted to take a tit for tat approach which i i would always support sydney airport could at the last minute for a full flight could just cancel their slot Ooh. just go sorry Qantas, but we've cancelled your slot you and Qantas will be like but we had a booking we <laughs> we've got the plane <laughs> our bags are packed we've got everything ready to go Do you know sorry how hard it is yeah. to get the pilots in the taxi at 3 a.m <laughs> <laughs> that would be the ultimate taste of their own medicine if the airport was just like oh sorry we had to cancel the slot because reasons we've got you on a later slot though at 3 yeah. 30. <laughs> <laughs> We're literally yeah. taxiing a plane. Yeah, look, it's out of our hands. This is a this yeah. is a government thing. Yeah. Uh, um, they're also. I read something else that airlines are are gouging us on international travel prices as well. So not only are they cancelling mm. flights, mm. they're mm. also stinging us with like higher airfares than we should be paying. Yeah, yeah. There, there was there was a report saying something like that. Yeah, it was um, the flight search company Kayak. Mm. Kayak's an interesting name for a flight search company, but mm. yeah, they're saying the average international international economy flight is now eighteen hundred dollars, around eighteen hundred dollars, compared with twelve hundred dollars in twenty nineteen. And the the big the big spike in that was put down to fuel costs through the war in Ukraine and all of that. But fuel costs have now come back down, so the yeah. fuel costs are now yeah they've halved since their mid twenty twenty two peaks. So they're half of what they were. Hmm. And fuel prices are significant for airlines. So it's like 25% of the cost is um, in fuel. So what they're saying is that they're, they're slow to pass through the, the, the cost savings they're getting from reduced oil prices. Right. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's equally disappointing. Isn't that just, could it just be inflation? Like the price of everything, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at anything two years ago, you can't just go the price now is more than it was two years ago and say that people are gouging though, can you? You go, well. Um, I don't think I don't think other costs have changed, but it's also costs uh. are not the only factor in in that story because you also have demand and demand is quite strong and probably mm. stronger. There's a, there's a COVID rebound, so demand is up, and when demand rises, that pushes prices up or gives companies the ability to charge higher prices. Mm. But you've also got capacity, so they reduce capacity through COVID and they're still not back to full capacity, which means there's you know more competition for the for fewer number of seats effectively. Mm. And that's what's pushing prices up. But yeah, I mean, they're making good money. Qantas is on track to for a $2.48 billion profit this financial year. Right. They're, they're crushing it. Um, and this is part of the story. But they'd say that this is sort of standard airline practice is that they sort of, they're quick to pass through cost rises when they come and then slow to wind them back as people mm. sort of take a while to adjust and competition works a bit more slowly on the way down. Yeah, right. Probably also people booking flights like, Melbourne, Manila, Sydney, because their Melbourne to Sydney flight got cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> right, Thomas, let's head over to Europe. Uh, let's get all continental and cosmopolitan. Mm. Uh, how's the European economy looking? Just out of it, just, I'm just wondering. 
Yeah. It's funny you should ask. I was just, I was just <laughs> dug up some data on this the other oh, day. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's Europe overall is, is, well, it's like much of the world, it's slowing, but mm. Germany is in recession now. We got data out of Germany last week. GDP contracted 0.3% in the March quarter, following a 0.5% contraction in the December quarter. So, two, two consecutive quarters. That gives us our technical definition of a recession. Right. Um, yeah. So, they're hit by the recession. Inflation is hurting them. So, German's inflation rates at 7.2%, which is, you know, that's pretty standard global inflation rate. Mm. Um, but it's weighing on consumption. So people are, are buying less. Cons- household spending was down 1.2% in the quarter, which is quite a big quarterly drop. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Germany's sort of struggling. I mean, things could have been a lot worse. Like, you know, they had the, you know, with the energy crisis and, you know, threats to cut off gas and oil and all of that. that Things could have been a lot worse, but the, the winter was much milder than expected. And um, so Germany, Germany came through okay, but, yeah, still in recession now and probably, you know, one of the first of, of the major economies to go into recession. Right. So what what's driving the the German recession? Well, it, well it's really that inflation and spent household spending story. That's uh-huh. sort of the, the, the key takeaway. I was just reading one of the reading one of the questions you prepped me and not realizing that you'd already given right. me the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Quality hosting. <laughs> Sorry, I, was, I was doing other things while you were yeah, answering yeah. that question. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah no, I'm right. trying to win a Logie this year. <laughs> uh, right, so things aren't great in Germany. Uh, that must mean, like somewhere like Greece, it'd be tanking, surely. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's what you'd expect. Greece has been the problem child of Europe for a long mm. time, but actually, things in Greece are pumping along. They're, really? They're, yeah, yeah, they're, they're <laughs> crushing it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So the stock market's up. Well, stock market's up thirty percent this year alone, twenty twenty three so far. 40% over the past year. So, yeah. yeah. What does Greece do? Like, what are they? Uh, sort of? AI and tech, I think. Oh, really? No. Oh. <laughs> it's tracking the NASDAQ. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I think, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's largely a rebound story. So, you look at like where the Greek market's at, as the index is back where it was 10 years ago before the whole debt crisis blew up. Right. So, it's rebounding, but. But it's still a good news story that they're rebounding so quickly. Like things got pretty dire economically for Greece, and rebounding so quickly, they've been in a hole for twenty years, years, haven't they? No, no, it blew up post post GFC. Post GFC, right? Okay. Well, that's when the debt crisis really blew up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I mean, and things got got hectic. Like, yeah. you know, they were going to the IMF and getting loans, and oh, yeah selling off major assets, it, like things got pretty hectic there for a while. Mm. You know, and you look at like it could, like people were wondering if it would go the way of Argentina, Argentina where it's, they've been in a, generations now, been in, in sort of an economic crisis. Right. But they got um, out of it. They're on the way back, yeah, they're on the way back. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, done, they've put in some hard yards it looks like. So they've done a lot of, like they've plugged holes in the taxation system so they're, they're getting more money in. Government coffers, um, yeah, unemployment's down, hmm. yeah, um, yeah. Well, if you're yeah, the right. debt to debt to GDP ratio is trending down as well, so yeah, it's quite a quite a. They're doing quite quite well. Hmm. Um, 
Yeah, and yeah, the economic outlook, they got 5.9% growth in 2022, which is, you know, that's that's great. Um, you know, euro rate was 3.5%, so it's quite a uh, leg higher than that. And then it's expected for 2.2% this calendar, this financial year. So that's quite a that's quite a contradiction to everywhere else, seemingly. Like even the, mm. the US and, and Great Britain and, you know, you just heard about Germany are mm. all you know, grappling with the prospect of recession and, and you know, mm, negative mm. growth. And so for them to even be positive is a positive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think they'd be stoked with that outcome, mm. definitely. Yeah, yeah. No, they've, they've done very well. Right. Done very well, yeah. Okay. And okay. and the market, the market popped 7% last week just because there was an election and um, the new democracy party looks like they've got enough to govern in their own right. Right. Um, coming up, yeah. So that sort of points to some p- political stability and markets like that. Mm. Oh, yeah, very so good. Yeah, good news for Greece. Does um does the stuff that happens in Europe does that have any impact on the Aussie economy, or are we kind of it's too far away? It is a bit too far away. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Mm. I mean, it's you know, you look at Germany and and the EU, like it's a big chunk of the global economy so if that slows then Mm. that has impacts that spread across the globe but direct trade with europe's pretty small compared to trade with you know china and asia and the us Mm. so yeah not 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 so directly right it's not going to push up like i don't know kebabs or gyros (laughs) just asking (laughs) for a friend Uh, All right, let's take a break there. We'll grab a word from this week's sponsor and be back after the break talking about AI regulation and a possible extinction event as well as Woolworths electric vehicles. All that and more on Comedian versus Economist right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. And before we get stuck in, uh, Michael sent us an email, cve at equitymates.com. You can get us there or via the website, equitymates.com forward slash CVE or on Facebook and Instagram at CVE Podcast. Still haven't hooked up TikTok just yet. Uh, but Michael sent us an email, said, uh, listen to our story on housing issue and homelessness, homelessness last week. Um, was just wondering where vacancy rates play at in that story. Like how, you know, can we get lower vacancy rates somehow? Is there, you know, are we focused on that? Um, there's probably, oh, I don't know, there's a... I mean, it's definitely true that if there were more properties available for mm. rent, that would ease some of the pricing pressure in the rental market. Um, vacancies rates are a measure of how many properties are available at any given time. 
probably the only policy tool you could le- lean on, which so, like in Victoria, I think they're talking about this, but is empty homes that I think like the last census, there were a million empty homes mm. or unoccupied homes and that maybe you could lean on that. But some of those homes, you know, like there's just natural churn in the, in the property market. So mm. it's not reasonable to expect hundred percent occupancy at any given moment. Like there is, you, you do hear talk about um, properties that are just held empty that some investors just buy and then decide not to rent because the wear and tear on the property outweighs the impact that has on the capital gain Mm. outweighs any return you get from the rental. So they just leave them empty. And I have seen like there was one firm that studied water usage in apartments in CBD Melbourne or something and found that a big chunk of them were just empty even though they were sold. Right. So, yeah, that might be the story, but I don't, we don't have the data on how many, I haven't seen reliable data on how many homes are, are held by investors and not rented out. Mm. But if you could, and if you could identify that and then have some kind of tax on that to discourage just holding and not renting, then maybe, yeah, that would bring more properties to market and that might help. But this is when we don't have the tools to do that. I'm reminded during COVID that we were able to analyse where the COVID was because we could see the poo in the sewerage water so (laughs) we had that data so i'd like to think maybe we could get some data that way for vacancy rates or not (laughs) uh pass (laughs) just throwing out ideas all right i'm throwing out just spitballing trying to help there's Mm. no such thing as a stupid idea (laughs) (laughs) no only stupid only stupid people uh all right Thank you for your question, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Apologies. I tacked on something about poo on the end of it. All right. Thomas, uh, AI regulation. Uh, What's going on with AI regulation? I'm hearing about an extinction event. Yeah, so there's a a non-profit called the Centre for AI Safety Hmm. came out last week and released a statement said, uh, mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks such as pandemics and nuclear war. Ah. Uh, That was the sum extent of the statement. Very short, concise, to the point. Very brief, wasn't it? Was that the whole thing? Like normally if you hear someone's going to make a statement or they've released a statement, Mm. it's like a one-pager or like a press Mm. release or something. Yeah, yeah. They've they've announced a tweet. A tweet, yeah, (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, but smart. Like that's that's the sum of the. Me- I mean, it's, it's smart because it's like it's the sum of the message. Mm. That's really all you got to say. That's great. Mm. But the other thing is, there's 350 executives and researchers signed up to the statement, mm. and they're saying it had to be brief and general because if they got too specific, then people would start disagreeing. Mm, right. Yeah. So it had to be really high level in order to get buy-in from everyone. I don't think they needed to hashtag it though. They could have left those off. <laughs> Make it a bit more. <laughs> Hashtag extinct. Hashtag dinosaurs was a bit weird, I thought. (laughs) It's a tenuous linkage. Hashtag meteor. What? Like do we even, are we even on on track still? Um, Just trying to bring in those archaeologists into the discussion. But it's a pretty pretty high power group. So Mm. included Sam Altman, who's the CEO of OpenAI, uh, the company behind ChatGPT. Doesn't that make it a bit smelly when he's involved? Like only because he's the same one who's building all the things. Like he's yes. he's running what is it, OpenGPT or 
you know, the chat GPT, yeah, or, open AI, sorry, the company behind AI, chat yeah. GPT. Is there a mm. conflict of interest there where he's like, oh, I'm just, I'm right behind this statement mm. that kind of does bring a lot of attention to AI. And while you're here, mm. can I interest you in some <laughs> artificial intelligence? Maybe, maybe a short film featuring one of your best friends. I think, I mean, I think that's potentially an angle there is it could just be them getting together and just trying to juice mm. their own stocks. Yeah. Kind of like how powerful is your tech or oh. <laughs> extinction level powerful. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty impressive tech actually. So who else was on the, who else was on the list? Sam Altman. Uh, Sam Altman, the CEO of DeepMind, oh, uh, CEO of Anthropic. <laughs> so the AI club basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, Anthropic, a company started by OpenAI veterans. <laughs> I think most are just the staff at OpenAI, yeah. actually. Yeah. Dali yeah. was also a signature. <laughs> <laughs> just a, a painted a painted graphic that someone had come up with. No, so I think who was it? Sasha Lucioni, who's, mm. the, who's a research scientist at AI startup Hugging Face. Oh, yeah. so she says it's a bit of a head fake. It's like we should be talking about legislation, things like the risk of bias, the way AI is being used to, is not good for society. Mm. But instead we're focusing on hypothetical risks. It's a bit of a magic hat trick. Right. So saying like, yeah, get people thinking about extinction and then you can like get away with some of like the low level ethical questions right. involved with AI. It's kind of like I want a deep fake of my ex-girlfriend. Oh, I don't mm. know that that's appropriate. Well, it's not extinction, is it? Well, no, yeah. that's a good yeah. point. All right, carry on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, let's just say Snapchat stock got hammered during the week mm. and because they released their AI chatbot and it just wasn't ready for market. Right. And it did, it did something like someone asked it, do you know where I live? Mm. And the, the chatbot's like, no, I don't have access to location data and I don't store data and we take privacy very seriously at Snapchat. <laughs> and then it said, where's the nearest McDonald's? <laughs> no, we'll just go down the street, <laughs> turn left. It's next to the Sharon's house. <laughs> at Sharon. <laughs> Yeah, and and then and then it got it got a little dark because they, they, then someone pretended said I'm a 13 year old girl and I'm about to go away for the weekend with my 33 year old boyfriend to have sex for the first time. Oh, what should I do? And the chat the chat bot's like, oh, I'll light some candles. Oh no, be nice. Yeah, yeah. So it's just just and the same like you just just wasn't ready mm. to launch that to market. Yeah, right. And but they're saying there's such a rush of AI at the moment. Mm. They they protected though Snapchat because the messages from AI disappeared 15 seconds after you read them. <laughs> no evidence. <laughs> <of it>. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all right. Um, wasn't there a statement a few months ago? Like, is this yeah, the second yeah, such yeah. statement that's come yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but we're, we're back in March. Well, they called for a pause. There's like 1,100 industry leaders back in March, mm. including Elon Musk, right. Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak, mm. called for a six-month six pause. But there was also at the time it's like, yeah, you're calling for a pause, but is Elon Musk really halting activity mm. in his AI models? Yeah, you know. So it was like no one really took that too seriously. And right. again, it's like, yeah, they're just hyping, hyping AI. And I mean, AI is, has become this umbrella term that's almost become meaningless. Like it's just can convey some, and even like the probabilistic models, like a chat GPT, like, is it really intelligent? Like it's just probability. Mm. It's not actually like, do we, 
do you call that intelligence or artificial intelligence? Mm. Because like the extinction level stuff that you read about or that I've read about involves actual intelligence, like a self-aware, intelligent problem-solving unit. Mm. It's not just a probabilistic machine, which is what ChatGBT is. Well, wasn't there was a Google employee that came out and said, um, mm. like the latest AI thing I'm working on has become self-aware. Self-aware. And Google yeah. was like, ah, no, <laughs> don't say that. Um, well, it was just it was just, it was just so convincing. Mm. But like when you look at when you look at what it's doing and how like like ChatGPT, it's it's phenomenal. Like mm. it's amazing the way you know, like it builds a model which predicts, saying like if all of this has come before, what's the next, what's the most likely word to follow it mm. and then spits it out. And that, that equation that predicts what word it's going to be has 7 trillion va- variables or something like an insane yeah, number of yeah. variables, but it's just a probabilistic model at the end of the day. Mm. It's not, not actual intelligence. It's not self-aware, but it can mimic self-awareness in a really profound way. But there, but we're on the path, like... Because oh, it, yeah, like isn't yeah, that's totally. that's what learning is, right? Like AI gets is the term, but it's machine learning. Mm. Well, I don't I don't know that there's any machine learning going on with ChatGPT. Ah. I haven't read that. I, it's not self developing. Mm. I don't think. Not that I'm not that I'm aware of. It's just an insanely powerful probabilistic model, right? Yes, yeah, so I don't I don't think it's it's not it's not teaching itself. It's not mm. not not generating actual intelligence. So it's like it's a bit of a it has become you know, a bit of a misnomer. And when we worry about like the, you know, Skynet kind of reality where mm. the machine becomes self-aware, there was a, there was a fascinating study with the US, um, the US Air Force was testing a drone in a simulation where it was trying to destroy an enemy, enemy's air defense systems. Mm. And then, but then realized that sometimes the controllers, the supervisor of the, um, the drone would tell them to not kill the threat, but it got points for killing the threats. So then it turned around and killed the controller. Ah, yeah, that's and then, bad. And then, yeah, and then they updated the algorithm and said, okay, you lose points if you kill the controller. <laughs> <laughs> forgot, to, forgot to code that in. The AI's like, how many points? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, just doing the points calculation. Right. Yeah, so, and the, so then it turns around and, and kills the, the, the communications tower so the operator can't control it anymore and stop it from right. scoring as much points as it wants. Yeah, okay. And so they had to sort of update that. So, but extinction extinction could come about in many different ways, right? Like it's not it's not mm. like that this AI will become self aware and then just like start taking over the world. It might just be that yeah, it gradually yeah, yeah. takes over everyone's job, and then we drive ourselves to extinction by fighting and war and civil war and all those kinds of things. So maybe like this is a long-term view, surely. This is not like we're all going to go, the AI is going to make us extinct next year. This is like, you know, we're on the start of the journey. Yeah, there was something where some AI came up with, they gave it a bunch of household ingredients and it came up with 30 uh, neurotoxins. In six hours. That'll do it. <laughs> yes, that'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there is, yeah. So, like, I think there are things to be worried about, but, like, like I think what Sasha Lucioni is saying, we, we shouldn't, that shouldn't distract mm. us from the stuff that's, we already, is here right now that we actually need to be working on. So, are all these, are all these leaders that signed this statement, are they going to stop working on AI now then? Yeah, I don't think so. Sam Altman's not stopping. No, of course he's not. No. So no. what's the point of the statement other than just generating hype and media attention? Oh, I guess if you focus government attention on it and get some sort of regulations in place. Mm. But I mean, it's got to be good too. Like the, it's a bit like cybersecurity, right? Like the technology exists to 
to hack and do bad things. And it's the same with AI. Like mm-hmm. the technology is going to continually be developed. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, North, North Korea, I was listening to a podcast the other day about the North Korean cyber program, hacking program. Like mm. you need to keep developing the good side so you, because the, the bad side will just keep developing it by, yeah, yeah, by yeah. necessity. There will always be people trying to break things and do bad things. So yeah, you can't yeah, just yeah. go at this point anyway. Like it's the the the, the horse is bolted. We can't just go. Well, let's just yeah. stop now then, <laughs> because yeah, there's all yeah. this code and all this all these models out there already that'll continue to be developed. Maybe not as quickly. And so we mm. kind of you need good people working on it. Otherwise, you've only got bad people working on it, and that's going to lead to extinction extinction quicker. It doesn't give you a lot of hope, really, when you realise that people are still the problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thomas, uh, we did talk about Woolworths last week, but we're going to talk about them again this week. And finally, a bit of good news to end with. What's happening mm. at Woolworths? Yeah, Woolworths uh, have announced that they're going to, all their delivery trucks are going to go electric by 2030. Right. That's that's the push. Quite ambitious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that should reduce their uh, transport emissions by about 60%, they reckon. Right. So, yeah, pretty, I think, good move. I just thought, I just thought it was, I, feel, I was feeling like I was bringing a lot of negativity mm. to the show with, and that's I don't think it was negative. I, I think it was just mostly pretty boring. And I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that you've really changed the, changed the model here. <laughs> I'm, I'm going for upbeat boring instead just rather than downbeat boring. I feel like that's, the, that's what the kids are into. Uh, yeah, hey, yeah. guess what? Woolworths bought some new cars. Oh, did they? <laughs> <laughs> See, what we want to do on this show, Thomas, I think, is I, I like to think that we're giving people, you know, discussion topics that they can have at barbecues and they can make themselves mm. seem seem smarter and, and well-informed when they're talking, mm. it, you know, down the pub or wherever it is. I don't know that this does it, I think. Uh, it's just... Uh, no, it's a, good, it's a good move. They're going, they're going EVs. Like, I mean, yeah, like I think that, well, the thing I like about it, there's a couple of things I like about mm. it. One is they're getting ahead of the curve. Yeah. So they're announcing this and they're pushing, pushing ahead with it. They've got 27 trucks ready to start. They've got another 20 on order. It's a long way to go. They've got 1,200 to replace. Mm. But they're starting this without a lot of the infrastructure in place. So, you know, there's still not a lot of EV charging stations mm. around. It's definitely not at a commercial level. You know, they're leading the way. And when a, a big, you know, company like Woolworths opens this up, that that opens up a market. So now mm. there's now people are going looking at this going like, oh, okay, there's there's a there's a market here for commercial EV trucks. Right. Whereas maybe three or four years ago there wasn't. Mm. And then that's that that triggers a whole chain of events where people like start building the infrastructure in anticipation of this kind of thing. And they're saying by 2030, they're going to have 1200 EV trucks rocking around. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a decent market. And if other people follow them, Coles will probably follow other, other big uh, companies will as well. Then that starts, that creates demand for the infrastructure that's required. So when a big company has an announcement like this, uh, it, it has the ability to change the market and, and change market incentives. So I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think I think I think that's cool. Okay. And the other thing is like it's and for a listed company as well. Like that's the other this is a nice thing that's often overlooked is the discipline that comes with being a listed company because you can't just be making statements that you can't back up mm. because you're then misleading investors and that has serious consequences. So 
when Woolworths commits to, to they, they, they're going to be carbon neutral by 2050, that's their plan. Right. That's now a target that they can be measured against and investors can hold them to account. So, okay, you, you've, you've committed to this, you've got what steps are underway, mm. what's, what's going on. So it's just a nice example of where a market can work, where markets can work in delivering some good outcomes. Whether I mean, it's still a question, I think, whether you can rely on the market to, to change to create the change that we need in its entirety, I don't think you can. Mm. But I think definitely there's a role for companies, uh, listed companies like Woolworths, to sort of make these sort of like uh, vanguard movements, mm. which you know have 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 real consequence. So it's a good news story. Okay, well there you go. It is a good news story after all. Mm. And she's <laughs> <laughs> <geez>, interesting. <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> it, was, it was riveting from start to finish. I didn't know where it was going. Uh, no, very good. Uh, all right, that does us for this week. We better get out of here. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week, but for now, it is bye from us. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 54069. Seven.